Cares. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. Welcome to the Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. This is our series of author interviews that we do every summer. We're as big a fan of Beach Reads as you are, so it's always a pleasure to talk to a variety of different authors about their work, about their process, about how they keep it going. Love doing these. So far in the Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival, we've talked to a really wide variety from first-time novelist Elisa Friedman, whose book Love and Miscommunication is a funny, charming, romantic comedy. We've had Eleni Gage on. She's written a really lush detailed book called The Ladies of Managua that takes place both in current day Nicaragua and uh, 1950s New Orleans. Matthew Quick has joined us on the series. Uh, His book, The Silver Linings Playbook, of course, went on to win an Academy Award as a movie adaptation, but his current book, Love May Fail, is super funny, just like a driving contemporary fiction. And today we have international best-selling author of the Gabriel Ellen spy series, Daniel Silva. The 15th book, The English Spy, is coming out in this series, and it's going to be a pleasure to talk to him. How do we do this? With thanks to Audible. We really appreciate that Audible supports the Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. If you're listening to a podcast, chances are you will really enjoy listening to an audiobook. And now is your chance to download one audiobook for free using our special URL. That's audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters, audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. Audible has over 150,000 titles, everything from great beach reads to online courses. But you know what else they have? They have the entire Daniel Daniel Silva catalog. So I encourage you to go there because his books are fast. They're full of geopolitical intrigue. They're full of spies and assassins and good guys and bad guys. And they're well-written and they are really well-narrated. They make fantastic audiobooks. The English Spy is just out in audio. And if you're dying to try an audiobook, why not now? Our special Audible URL is audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. One free audiobook, a 30-day free trial. I think you're going to love it. Going on a summer road trip, try an audiobook. You're going to love it. Uh, I am looking forward to talking to Daniel Silva. So stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. To find out more about us, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. You can also find links to all those other great interviews I just mentioned with all kinds of different authors. We've been doing this series for years, so if you go to SatelliteSisters.com and find this Daniel Silva blog post, you'll also find links to many other author interviews we've done over the years in the Satellite Sisters Word Write Festival. That's SatelliteSisters.com. You can also find us on Facebook at The Satellite Sisters. Okay, stay tuned. My interview with Daniel Silva coming up. It's a pleasure to welcome Daniel Silva to Satellite Sisters. He is the author of many New York Times bestsellers, including The Unlikely Spy, The Mark of the Assassin, The Kill Artist, The English Assassin. I think you get the picture. His latest Gabriel Allon novel is called The English Spy. It's the 15th in his line of stories about this particular Israeli super spy. Daniel, welcome to Satellite Sisters. 
Hi there. How are you guys? Great. We're good. Hey, is it still exciting to bring out a book after 15? You have 18 books total, but I know 15 in this particular series. Do you still get excited to be on book tour or have you moved on creatively? <laughs> no, it is It is incredibly exciting to, to bring out a book. Um, it really, I mean, just aside from the, the hectic pace of the first couple of days of media at, at a typical book tour, but just, you know, to, you, you work in isolation for months and months and months, and then suddenly you're out there talking about something that's so private in, in, a, in a weird way, you know, you've, you've done this by, all by yourself. Uh, it's just very exciting, a little nerve-wracking. Um, do you still for get nervous that... Waiting for the, do you still getting, get nervous get that nervous people work? will? Do you get nervous that people will like the book or will be well reviewed? I mean, obviously, this is the fifteenth in this series. People love your writing. You're well respected. They love this character. Is that piece of it still nerve wracking? Um, oh, a little. It's just yeah. it's just the general process. It's 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 not nerve wracking. Isn't the right way. It's just it, to describe it. It's just it's very exciting. Um, I still get a real charge out of it um, as the you know, the days tick away towards uh, publication date, which which for, for us now, if you're a commercial author, it's rather like a movie opening, you know, you've really got to come out of the gate well. And 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 um, I think I, I did that this week. I had a wonderful launch. My uh, publishers, HarperCollins, did a beautiful job with the book and, and, the, and the campaign. And, but it's very, very exciting. Now, I read that you did not think that this character, Gabriel Alon, he is an Israeli super spy slash art restorer. He's been in 14 right. of your previous books. But I read that you really thought he was kind of like a one-shot super spy. Like you didn't he even was. plan on writing a book, too. No, I did not. Um, he was supposed to appear in one book and one book only. <clears throat> in fact, I had to be really talked into the um, – to writing a, a second one, and um, you know, I, I resisted, and, and I thought there was too much anti-Israeli sentiment in the world, and frankly, too much anti-Semitism for a Israeli character to ever really work in a mass market way. Mm -hmm. And I have been uh, proven wrong. Obviously, <laughs> he is um, a multi-time uh, number one New York Times bestseller. Mm -hmm. And but so no one is more surprised by that than I am. Why do you think that he has sustained the interest of readers? Why um, Why do you think readers love him? I think that that um, over the course of, of fifteen books, um, I've written several really good books. Um, first of all, and yeah. then I also think that um, the fact that he is an art restorer and the fact that art oftentimes plays a really big role in the plot. Not so much, um, not at all, actually, in, in this, in the new book, but in many of the books, uh, they take place against the backdrop of the art world or art plays a, a central um, role in the plot because, because of that. Um, you know, I write the stories a little bit differently than, than, than a, the typical spy thriller. And as a result, I think that I um, acquire readers who might not necessarily pick up um, a more traditional okay. uh, spy thriller. I think that's really the um, uh, 
the key point. And and also, you know, he appeals to women readers. And I, you know, I just did an event <clears throat> last night and in uh, Union Square in New York City, and I look out across the audience, and I say, I think there are many more women present than men last night. Which and is that's different. Not always the case. Yeah, that's not in your the case genre, for a, for right? A male thriller writer. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting. That's good. Well, it you know, <laughs> he is. I did feel sorry for his wife in this book, who is uh, expecting twins, and she's sent home, and he goes off to to kill like the world's worst assassin and bomb maker so why so women might stop would coming. you have expected anything different of gabriel lawn i mean um hey I, I this this book has a uh she has been pregnant now over the course of two of the stories she, she became pregnant uh two books ago at the end of that book and she was pregnant in the last book and i had to squeeze in i wanted to squeeze in one last uh, Gabriel Lawn adventure and operation before uh, the uh, the birth of the children. So I, this is a this is a very tight um, uh, story that takes place over just a handful of days, really, um, and, and it allowed me to uh, to give him. Uh, one last, uh, one more day in the sun <laughs> before his <laughs> before his two children are born. Before the curtain comes down and father. <laughs> well, it's not going to come down on him because he is going to become the chief of Israeli intelligence, and his wife has already agreed to let that happen. Okay. Um, so he, he um, you know, as you might imagine, given the state of the world today, that the chief of Israeli intelligence. Is, is a really busy guy. He is. And, okay. Uh, and so Gabriel Lon's life is going to be, um, and unfortunately, he's not going to see his two children very much in the next few few years. The English by this book um, takes place, well, it takes place everywhere. It starts with a, uh, a British princess um, being blown up in a boat, kind of an extreme scene. And then the action <laughs> takes you to Northern Ireland. Um, okay. And through your writing, readers are given this brief history of the conflicts in Northern Ireland, but you're also brought up to date. I was wondering, I know you're a former journalist and uh, you were the executive producer of Crossfire. You worked for UPI for many years in the Middle East. Did you have a working, a thorough working knowledge of, um, you know, the history of Northern Ireland or how much research was involved? Was it kind of, uh, oh, I sort of yeah. know some stuff. I got to dig in a little deeper. I, I've actually um, had dealt with the story as a journalist, um, but also have had just a lifelong interest in, in the conflict. Okay. Um, and so um, I followed it very closely. I've I've read all the major works about about the conflict. Um, I'm I'm pretty well versed in it, and so it's very comfortable for me to to drop Gabriel Lawn into that setting. Um, and I I enjoyed it. It, it. As your listeners know, I mean, <clears throat> we had the Good Friday agreements in 1998 that effectively ended the war in Northern Ireland. There's still great deal of tension between the two communities as I demonstrate and show in this in this novel. Uh, but one of the things that happened at the end of the war is that a lot of really talented bomb makers went out into the world and sold their, their services to the highest bidder. Um, and one of the places that these guys ended up was Iran. In 2006, we know that a delegation of of IRA terrorists um, went to Tehran 
and helped the Iranians build a very sophisticated anti-tank weapon that the Iranians then gave to Hezbollah, who then used them against the Israelis. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also built uh, highly sophisticated roadside bombs and uh, uh, that were sent into uh, southern Iraq to be used there during the war. And so it's very sad irony that British soldiers serving in southern Iraq um, were, had to deal with the sort of exactly the same types of weapons that British soldiers serving in Northern Ireland did a generation earlier. That was new information to me when I read your book. I mean, is that part of your goal to educate your readers as well as entertain? You obviously have a vast knowledge of geopolitics, but I, I, that was sort of a jaw dropping piece of information. I hadn't, I hadn't seen that anywhere. Um, you know, goal number one is to, is to tell an entertaining, compelling story. Um, that someone is going to want to read on the beach over their summer vacation. I, I make no bones about that, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm proud of that. Um, but a lot, you know, along the way, it's not that I set out to try to educate anyone or, or, you know, ram some message down their throat. But I like to deal with serious issues in, in my novels, um, and I was able to do that with this one. And that's just sort of typically what I do. I like to take on something um, meaty. I like the books to be about more than about what's just simply going on in the plot. I like the, them to be about something. I asked actually my Twitter followers yesterday if they had any questions for you. And mm-hmm. um, one came back from a woman who was my high school teacher. <laughs> so mm. she's a big fan. But she actually wants to know about your research process. Do you like front load your research? And then I know you write in longhand, which is crazy to me, but I know that's what you do. Do you do all the research up front and then right away? Or do you find yourself having to research all throughout the writing process? I do. I do enough front-loaded research to get going, uh, but I, then I, I research all along the way. Um, and, you know, I, I've always felt compelled and, and most at peace when, when, <clears throat> when, I'm, when I'm actually in the story and, and writing the, the story. And so if I'm sitting around researching for too long, I get, I get a little antsy. Yeah. Um, and I've never really been able to fully outline anything. I've tried a couple of times. It's just never worked for me because things always change on the page for me. And so I, I um, re- really think of my first draft as, as almost as my outline and, and, um, and then, uh, then rework that. So I, I get going as quickly as I can. You know, that's just good writing advice because I think a lot of new writers get bogged down in the research. That seems like the easy part, and it kind of creates a paralysis to get writing. So research just enough to get going and then get yeah, going. Yeah, I think that, I think that um, it, you know, I mean, I think that it's it's natural to have a fear of, of starting something um, and and that some people might – um, use research as a as almost as a, a way not to start writing something. <laughs> yes. uh, I think that, that I I know a couple of people like that that they just will research and research and research and then and and then have so much stuff that they've done um, that they feel sort of compelled to to 
force it into the into their manuscripts from time to time and and it's just it should be there to to help the story along not not slow it down and bring it to a screeching halt Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. (laughs) The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting (laughs) rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair (laughs) because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair's really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay? And I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you. It's also better for the planet, Liz. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So, Pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos, too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, Pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Liz, summer is coming up and you know what that means? It means you're grilling. You're grilling and chilling there with your your butcher box. What what do you got going on the grill this summer? Well, you know, here's the thing. Because I'm going to be up in, in Bend for part of the summer, yeah. I'm having my box sent there, Leon. That's I mean, great. Go on vacation with your butcher box is what uh, what what I'm recommending. Yeah, by the way, you're just going to buy meat and fish and stuff when you get there. Why do that? Anyway, you I love their steaks. I love their scallops. The scallops are really good, and the chicken thighs, all good. I'm ready. That's right. Butcher Box gives you peace of mind and easy to find high quality meat and seafood you can trust. It's 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken pork that's raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood, no antibiotics or added hormones. And as Liz said, delivered right to your doorstep. And you can customize that delivery plan, Liz, right? Because it can go wherever you want it to go, whenever you want it to go. If you want to delay it a week, you know, speed it up a week, you just go to your ButcherBox account and you can make that all happen. It's so easy to manage online. Yeah. And if you're like Liz, you can take your ButcherBox on vacation, which is... (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. That's nice. Nice to have something familiar there. (laughs) Yes. So if you want to take your meat on vacation, sign up at butcherbox.com slash sisters and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional 20% off. So you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. 
Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash sisters and use code sisters to choose your free for year offer. Plus get $20 off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. Well, you're married to journalist Jamie Gangel, and I read in your acknowledgments that she um, took a hatchet to this book and chopped 100 pages out. Is that, yeah, yeah, <laughs> is, that hard, is that hard for you as a writer? And then how does that feel no, as a no, husband? No, 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 no. <laughs> I like to throw out pages. I think that um, I, um, I've always said that it is easier to um, to edit down than edit up. By that, I mean it. <laughs> It's better to, you know, remove things and polish things rather than say, you know, I need to take this and I need to I need to make this part bigger. I've always found that um, a little bit more difficult in 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 the editing and rewriting process. But it's it's always better to whittle down and to pare away. Um, and you know, I think that in general. Um, books are made better by cutting than adding, I would say, in general. You know, whenever I read one of your books, I think to myself, is everyone a spy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, they, they, um, do you have a head count on spies in the world? Or? <laughs> they, they move through um, in their own little parallel universe. And, and, and um, I, t- I loved uh, the movie The Road to Perdition. Oh, okay. And I, if when I when I first time I I saw that movie, I I felt that they were the characters were moving in their own separate plane, almost that they were um, completely isolated from normal life. And and you know my characters tend to live their life like that. Um, uh, they exist in their own little parallel universe where. Everyone is is um, up to no good. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of assassins in this particular one too. Yeah. People are either spies <laughs> or assassins, and I thought, yeah. I hope there are not this many assassins in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Let us hope. <laughs> Although my sister Julie lived in Moscow for five years, and she said, "No, everyone is a spy. Pretty much everyone's a spy there." <laughs> so, um, you know, your genre is really filled with a lot of logistics. That's how kind of the plot literally moves forward. There's planes, mm-hmm. trains, automobiles, passports, mm-hmm. stuff. Are you good with logistics in real life? Are you the family vacation? I'm terrible planner? with logistics. <laughs> I'm terrible. My my wife is a logistician. Okay. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, She's the and I'm the I'm the the person that comes in with with all the equipment and settles into the the, the house and watches the bad guy. But she would be the one at headquarters who is is moving all the pieces around because I I tell you I when I'm working on a book I'm pretty useless to the to the rest of the world. Um, I get very preoccupied. Um, I you know. It, typically, you spend I spend more time in Gabriel's world than I spend in the real world, and I just I find it hard sometimes to function in the real world, when <laughs> okay. I, when I, especially when I'm really hard against my deadline. Okay. How so? How long does it take you to write? I know you write a book a year. I've read that you've mm-hmm. written 18 books in 18 years, which is astonishing. Um, uh, how long will it take you to craft the next book? Or have you already started on it? Is it done? I've started on yeah. it. Um, I've got a, um, probably about 20 pages under my belt that I was able to 
to uh, work out before uh, book tour. But in general, the, the the writing year is Labor Day until April first. That is it. Um, okay. And so once it, once I start, um, I work seven days a week. I, I start first thing in the morning. I work until mid afternoon. Um, um, I try not to work too many hours in, in the day uh, early on in the process, but once I'm under the gun, my work days get really, really long. I can write as you know, 12 hours at a stretch sometimes. Well, I, um, that's amazing to me. Yeah, and so it's it's not I, you don't want to do that for too long, obviously, but I I can when when need be, and um, so then I've got a. a a brief period of time to do some, some rewriting and then the, the editing process starts. And so we're very good at producing books quickly the, uh, these days. So I finished this book. I think I did the final, final corrections and edits on, I think, May 16th. Wow. Uh, May 16th. And we were, wow. I had a, I had a, I had a finished book in my hand probably by about, um, June fifteenth at the latest, and, and uh, probably, probably about June tenth, and, and we're on sale on the thirtieth. Wow, so that is unbelievable. Six weeks, six weeks, yeah, six weeks. Oh my gosh, no wonder you feel such pressure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's almost worse <laughs> that they can turn yeah. it out in six weeks. Gives you all that excuse to wait till the very end. <laughs> and I, I'm not a procrastinator. On on a novel, a novel is, you can't pull an all nighter and finish yeah. a novel. Okay. <laughs> do you have that, time that to is, read fiction? Or do you mainly read really. nonfiction? Yeah. Okay. I, I have so much nonfiction um, work uh, reading to do that I just it's just not something that I can make time for when I'm writing, and I, I don't really enjoy you know having someone else's. Um, story or imagination in my head. I don't really watch a lot of films when I'm writing. Um, I typically zone out to cooking shows in the evening to help my brain sort of shut down because I do have some, um, some sleeping issues. So I, 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 my, my secret passion is diners, drive-ins and dives uh, (laughs) on on the food network. And that just helps me relax at night and, and not think about the story too much. That's funny. Well, Daniel, it was really fun to read The English Spy. I'm sure it will be a big hit, and we know there's more coming. Uh, if you're a fan of Gabriel Allon, stay stay tuned because there are more books coming. Have a fantastic summer. So what's what do you do for the summer then? Just relax, and then you gear up for the uh, next I'm going to be crisscrossing the country on book tour, uh-huh. um, and then have a little time off with my, my family and That's then get nice. them back, back, to, <laughs> back to college in, in the at the end of August. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Satellite Sisters. Really fun to talk to you today. Thank you so much. actually. I do like books like that. Uh, he sort of downplays his journalism background, but you can see it shines through in almost every paragraph or every chapter that he writes. He is able to kind of boil down, you know, a long history of war in Ireland into about five sentences. And that's because he knows all about the long history and he can tell you the five sentences that make it count. So again, thanks to audible, audiblepodcast.com forward slash sisters. The English spy is there as well as many other Daniel Silva books. So if you're looking for a thriller, 
for your road trip, that's the way to go. To read more about Daniel Silva's book or to find any of the Satellite Sisters Word Right podcasts from this year or previous years, please go to SatelliteSisters.com. You'll see a blog post with Daniel Silva's book title right there, and there'll be links to the other podcasts, and you can direct download right there. All right, we appreciate you listening to Satellite Sisters. Thank you for supporting Audible. Thank you for supporting the people that support us. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. 